Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Excellent job, video crew. I love it. Please, someone send me that after I leave. I, I could use that all over the world. <laughs> we'll get it translated. That was great. Well, it's a real pleasure to get to be with you this morning. Um, it, uh, you know, this greatest job in the world really is to help other people. And, and uh, I'm really here to tell you not to make the same mistakes I made <laughs> and many others that I've heard over the years. Uh, maybe you can start a better place than we did. There's some of you here who may say, well, gosh, I wish I'd heard this five years ago. It's never too late. And I'm, I'm going to give you a little bit on that later too. But parenting, you know, is uh, really it's a simple job in some ways. Uh, easy to have children. Everyone knows how to do that. But raising them is another story, isn't it? And uh, they don't come with owner's manuals. Uh, mine didn't, for sure. And, uh, but... It's complex because you never know really how good a job you're doing. You're doing a good job or a lousy job. You don't know. Uh, now, if they get arrested or get pregnant or get on drugs, and you know that's not good. And uh, we all have those things that we, we are fearful about with our kids. But how do we really know how we're doing? Really, the only thing we all know is that this is the most important job we have. And if you doubt that, let me just ask you to rethink it, <laughs> because it really is. And I can only tell you from my many years, and I'm older than good most everybody in this room, that becomes more and more important the older you get. I mean, you get caught up in your careers and, you know, all this kind of stuff, getting started, but it's all for the sake of the family. Why do you have a job in the first place, right? And uh, one of my little truisms that I like to throw out there it goes like this, no amount of success outside of the home will compensate for failure in the home. And uh, it's, just a true, it's just a true statement. And um, it's the most important job we have. And so this morning I want to give you a few little uh, tools maybe for your parenting toolbox to help you to become a better parent to... Uh, you won't be perfect. There's never been a perfect parent, right? Never been a perfect child. And so we're all dysfunctional, aren't we, to some extent. But God is there to help us. The Holy Spirit's there to direct us so you're not alone. And I hope you'll feel encouraged after our little short time here this morning. So um, I'm not going to spend much time talking about the need for this. I think you all know how necessary this is. We live in a, in a country that is no longer Christian. Well less than 50% of the people in our country, I think it's more like about 20 right now, would say that they're following Christ. Now, I think it's still about 60% would say they're Christian. But when they ask the question, do you believe the Bible is the word of God? Are you following Jesus Christ? It's all the way down in the 20s. And it's going to go lower the way we're going. We're heading the wrong direction. But as parents, we're the ones that can change that. You think about it. Let's say you had three kids. If you do the math, if you, can, if you can pass your values on to your three children, let's say, and they follow Christ the way you are, in three generations, you'll have affected 81 people. Isn't that amazing? Three times three times three times three. I mean, it's, it's quite amazing. 
In fact, the effect of your life will not be known for many generations. We think we just live this life and die and that's it, right? No, no, no. The effect of your life will affect many, in fact, you know, it says God's blessing is to a thousand generations. I think we might sing that song later, which is one of my favorites. You have the ability to affect a thousand generations. This is really important, really important. So it's, uh, th this teaching is, is simple. It's not complicated. You don't have to go to seminary or some parenting school to learn this. I'm going to lay out a few things for you this morning. It's, it's about three hours worth of material I'm going to put in about 30 minutes. So hang on to your seat. We're going to move fast, okay? The premise of the teaching is this. As your children go through very clear demarcations in their life, transitions in their life, you must also transition as a parent. I think it's intuitive that you can't parent a 12-year-old like you do a 16-year-old. And you can't parent your 25-year-old like you do your 16-year-old, right? Let's walk through that, okay? Let's see what that looks like. I thought the video was perfect. The four C's, we call them, the four phases. When they're young, you're their caretaker, right? If you don't take care of them those first few months and year or two, they will die. They literally will physically die without you, right? Big deal. As they get older and can start doing for themselves, then your job is to be a consultant, I mean to be a, uh, a caretaker. As a, excuse me, caretaker, then you become a cop, right? Because they start displaying the sin nature they were born with, right? And uh-oh, we got to do something here. So interdiscipline, right? So we've all read the, you know, dare to discipline books and strong-willed child books and all these different, lots have been written about that. Not going to cover that today. Um, we get into that and we learn and we get to be pretty good at disciplining our children. Uh, during that phase, we should be teaching them, we should be training them and disciplining them. And of course, as we do in every stage, we should be praying for them. Very, very important. But things change, right? And before you think your child has a demon or you want to kick them out of the house because that wonderful 12-year-old has become like a 14-year-old who doesn't want to be around you anymore. Who started that? Whose fault was that? <laughs> it was God's fault. He did it on purpose. He released those hormones into their bodies because he doesn't want them to be children forever. He wants them to become adults. And he starts the process when you're not quite ready for it because you got real comfortable that Sweet little 12-year-old who just thought you hung the moon. Now you got to deal with it, all right? And so let's talk about that. When that happens, you have to transition from being a cop to being a coach. This is where we get stuck. We get stuck being a cop because it's working and we don't understand why it doesn't still work. And, and, and we, we try to discipline our children when they're uh, teenagers and, and it's just like, I mean, literally, at one point, I thought my son probably had a demon. He just, the way he reacted and lied and all these kinds of things, you know? And by the way, in case I forget to tell you, he turned out real well. Okay, I'm gonna, I mean, he's 36 years old. He's got a wonderful family. He's a great, godly man. So that's the end of the story. It's a good one. Uh, but it, it's very, um, we don't know what to do. Nobody's taught us we need to change and become a coach. I remember when I first learned this, uh, when I went to the JH Ranch 22 years ago, whatever it was, it was like the lights were going off. And I remember driving back to the airport with my son, 
And I said, Jeffrey, you know, I really learned something this week. I learned that you need, you don't need me to be a cop. You need me to be a coach. Oh, yeah, Dad, that sounds really good. <laughs> yeah, Your kids will love that, by the way. I mean, coaches are great, right? We need to become more of a coach than a cop. Now, what does a coach do? A coach teaches, he models, or she, encourages and prays. Discipline's not in there. You know, you don't really need to have a lot of discipline in a teenager's life. You might think, what? Because if you just let them experience the consequences of their bad decisions, they're going to suffer enough. You're there to help pick up the pieces. You're there to help them, encourage them. Teenagers need encouragement. It's a tough, they're half adult, they're half child, especially 13, 14, 15, when, when all this first hits them. They need lots of encouragement, parents. That probably ought to be your number one job. In fact, I, I can sum it up like this. We need to talk less and pray more. I think if you ask your children, uh, well, I know my children will be this way, they can finish any sentence I started. I mean, to this day, they know what I'm going to say. They know what I believe in, and there's no need to me continue to harp on that. Nagging them, preaching at them, that does not help. They already know that. What they're looking for as a teenager is, is this Christianity that my parents are putting, shoving down my throat, is it real? Does it work? You see, when I was that age, my parents divorced. I just said, huh, I don't think, and I, and I immediately threw God out of my life, church out of my life. I mean, I went to church because I had to, but I didn't, I didn't believe in God. If it didn't work for my parents, I just figured it didn't work. That's how powerful parents are. Thank God he came along later and showed me it does work. <laughs> but so as a teenager, there's certain things you can no longer do in your parenting. You know, when they were young, you could tell them, you know, maybe the wife might say, do this because your dad says so. That's why. That's good enough. Dad can beat his chest and say, do this. I'm your father. You must do this. That works when they're younger. Once they become a teenager, they're becoming an adult at this point, by the way. We have to show them a little respect. They deserve some explanation as to why. And I have found if you'll explain to them the consequences of what they do. If you go this way, this is going to happen. If you go this way, this is going to happen. They can kind of pick up on that. You don't have to be preaching at them and just, you know, like, like, the, like you did when they were younger. And many times you have to stand back and let them experience the consequences of their bad decision. That's how they learn. You can't bail them out every time. So begin to think of them more as an emerging adult rather than as this child that many times, and I look back at my past, I remember God gave me a vision when my son was a teenager when I heard this about how I'd would correct him, it's kind of like you would a dog. It was terrible. You know, calling at him and pointing your finger at him and all that kind of stuff. I wouldn't act like that to one of my adult friends, right? I would help them. I'd want to, I'd empathize. I'd pray with them. How can I help you get over this problem you're having? And when I started doing that with my son, things really changed. They really did. This stuff works. I mean, it worked for me. It saved my relationship with my son. You see, uh, well, let me finish the illustration. I'm going to go back and point out something. Uh, I'm going to let them show you 
on the screen here, these different stages. We use the uh, kind of a, uh, a bay uh, uh, illustration, bay of security when they're young, right here. The teenage years, these are the jetties of adolescence. And then you're heading towards sending them out into the sea of independence. Because, see, your job as parents is to take them from total dependency on you to total dependency on God. And when they get ready to leave home to go off to school or get married or go take a career job, whatever it is, at that point in time, they're no longer, you're no longer, uh, they're not dependent on you anymore. What you hope is they become dependent on God. So they transfer their dependence from you to God. And it's a process that goes all the way up till they leave. Now, so when they leave, even if they go off, to, maybe to, most of them will go off to college maybe, and you're still picking up the tab, right? You have to change at that point. Once they get out from underneath your home, you then have to change from being a coach to being a consultant. You can't even coach them anymore. A consultant listens, gives advice when asked, supports and prays. That is your job at this point in life with them. The reason I talk about this, some of you may be in that stage right now, but if you think about it, what of those four stages will you be in the longest as a parent? By far the consultant, right? If you live a normal life, you can be in a consultant to your kids for 20, 30, 40 years, 50 years. And uh, we got to get this right. I know many of you are struggling with teens and preteens right now, thinking you'll be there forever. You'll just be there for a few years. And if you don't get it right, you're going to forfeit your right to be their consultant. Here's how it works. And the devil is right in the middle of it. You know the devil hates your family. He wants to destroy your family because that's how he destroys everything. The family is the bedrock of our society, of our churches, of our communities, of our nation. If he can break down the family, he's got us. We've got to fight that. And so what he does is during these teenage years, these adolescent years, because we haven't been taught, we don't know what to do, we're still being a cop and we should be a coach, we're fighting with him. Hey, the answer is no. What's your question? It's going to be no, no matter what. And they just quit asking. They just say, dad and mom don't understand. Dad preaches, mom nags. Not good. And, you know, because you're a Christian, you know, they still respect you and they try to be nice. And when they go off to college, they come home to see you, but they don't want to spend too much time with you. And after they get married, they'll bring the grandkids back and spend, but not too much time because, you know, dad preaches still and mom's still nagging me after all these years. No one's told them that they're not supposed to be a cop anymore. So Satan destroys your communication with your child or brings it to a low level. And you forfeit all those years when they really need you to be their consultant, to give them advice about some really big ideas, big things like decisions like who they're going to marry. What about their job? What about buying a home? What about handling finances? All these things that they're not going to come to you with. They're going to go somewhere else. And you won't have that privilege. And so let's get it right as they go through these 10 years. And then it'll be great. And I want to emphasize one thing that I probably didn't emphasize as much in the early service is communication. If your child, whatever age they are, is not communicating with you, you have a problem. Trust me, you do. Well, my child's just very introverted. No child is too introverted not to want to talk to their parents. And so 
you've got to find a way to begin to have that conversation with them. And this is a little bit of a plug, but you know, the best way I know is to go out to the JH Ranch where, where your pastor went and many others in this church have gone, or go to our outbacks. We have outbacks around the country. We have one, in, the nearest one to you would be in Cincinnati. We have one in Nashville. They meet in the spring and the fall. You take your child away for a few days and we orchestrate all these great times of communication. And you have fun while you're there. Your child will love it. I, I, they may not want to go, but once they do, they'll love it. We want to help you as a parent have better communication with your child. Okay? So important. I was talking to uh, several people here that have been to the ranch, and they would all say the same thing. When we came back from the ranch, our communication and depth of conversation with our children was so much better than before. And here's the good news. Once you get there, once you get to where you can really communicate at a heart level with your child when they're a teenager, they'll want to do that the rest of their lives. They don't want to be superficial any more than you do. But they have to trust that if they open their heart up to you, you'll hear them, you'll listen to them, you'll love them. You won't judge them, you won't preach at them, you know, all that. And so this is when you do it during these teenager, teenage years. Okay, so those are the four stages that we go through uh, let, me, let me just uh, expand a little bit on this jetty of adolescence. Well, go back here. Because there's little Johnny. He's young, just playing there in the water. Mom is there having a great time. Very safe, very clear boundaries. Got his little boat. Mom's enjoying herself. But as he gets older, that's not enough. He wants to have his own boat. He wants to be in the boat. And so we get him a boat. And now he's rowing away. We still have a nice boundary. This would be the toddler up to preteen age, and everything is still really nice, that 10, 12-year-old, but then the hormones start, they get outside this boundary, and for the first time, they see what we call the sea of independence, and they want to go from here to here like overnight. They want to make their own decisions, and that's the reason they start bucking you, because these hormones inside of them are saying, you're supposed to make your own decisions, you know, and so you have this battle going on and if you understand it it will really help because here's the thing if you know anything about boating many times in these harbors they'll put jetties these are rocks they'll actually put them in there some are under the water some are above the water and they're to break the waves so that the people on the shore will have nice gentle water right well if you've never gone through the jetty before and you're piloting the boat you don't know where those rocks are some of them are hidden and our kids are just going through life, you know, nobody guiding them. Boom, they get hooked on drugs. Boom, they get pregnant. Boom, they get kicked out of school or whatever those terrible boat sinkers might be. They need you to help them guide the boat. But if you don't have a good relationship, you'll either get frustrated, jump out of the boat and say, ha. a lot of the times the men will say, okay, mom, it's your job. I'm going to go make money and I'm going to, be the provider. That's what I do. I'm the provider. Well, let me tell you, God's called you to be a whole lot more than a provider. And, um, and then we leave, you know, little Johnny or Susie in that boat by themselves, and they just they get bounced around from one bad situation to the next. And you just pray it won't be anything too bad until they can finally get to the age and they're out of the house and off in college. That's a very low standard. Sometimes that's all we can hang on to. They need us. They really, really need us. We have these kids. We have student programs at the ranch where 300 kids come twice a year for two weeks away from their parents. 
And we take all these little polls and we ask them about their parents, you know, and the resounding response is we would love to spend more time with our parents, but they drive us crazy. They're trying to tell us what to do all the time, you know, so that they're, they want to spend time with you and you've got to, uh, make it an enjoyable experience, you know, where you're, where you're just like you would with anybody else and relate to them where they are. Get down to where they are and, uh, and cultivate a good relationship so that they will listen to you, so they will come to you when they really need you. Okay, so that's the big picture of the four different levels that you go through. Um, I want to talk, I want to, I want to go back to this communication thing. Um, so let's say you're sitting out there, as a man this morning was, who came up to me after the service and said, you know, I wish I'd heard this 10 or 15 years ago. My kids are grown now, and I really think I blew it in a lot of areas. And we really, we got a good relationship, but it's not like what you're talking about. Is it too late? Well, my God, if my God, you're never too late. God's a God of second chances. He wants to restore a good relationship with you and your, your uh, child. And you know what? He gave us a tool that you already know about it, but you need to use it with your kids. It's a tool of forgiveness. You can't have a happy marriage without it because, you know, we blow it, don't we? We, we mess up with our spouse. We mess up with our kids. What do we do? Well, we go and we ask for forgiveness. I mean, this is a very, very valuable thing. You're not only doing this to restore your relationship with your child, you're setting an example to them because they're going to need to know how to do this. So here's how it works. So I was talking to this man today, and he, 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 was, uh, he said, I think there's some things I did you know, in the past that has harmed our relationship. I said, well, why don't you go back to him? I think the child might have been 28 years old or something. I said, why don't you go back to him and just say, you know, I did this or whatever it was back when you were this age. And I want you to know, I know that hurt you. And I also think it hurt our relationship. And I am so sorry that I did that. And I want to restore that. I want to have the best relationship I can have with you. You express your sorrow. You relate to what they've gone through. And then you say, would you please forgive me? Very so humbly and sincerely. Then you shut up. And hopefully they can forgive you. They might not, at least not right then. But when they do forgive you, what I have found with kids at any age, they forget. I've had, why do I know this? I've been through it. I lost it with my kids so many times when they were coming along. You know what? And I had to go back to them, ask for forgiveness, go through the, what I just went through with you. They have never one of them's 36 now, the other's 39. They've never brought it up and said, Dad, remember that time you did that? When you hit me or you lost your temper or you said that to me? Never. It's wonderful. It's just like Jesus. He forgives and he forgets. You can start all over. That relationship that may not be that great can be restored through a simple act of going humbly and asking to be, to be forgiven. I remember one time my son was, oh, I think he was 17, 18. He was still at home, and he came in after being out uh, on the weekend night. It was about 10, 
comes storming through the room. You may have had this happen. Wouldn't, didn't say a word to either one of us. Slammed the back door. Slammed the door going down the hall. Just, just like a whirlwind. And I looked at my wife. And before I learned this, I probably would have got mad, chased him down, said, what's the big idea disrespecting us and not even saying goodnight, slamming doors and all that kind of stuff. Instead, I just looked at Janice and said, wow, wonder what that's all about. She goes, I don't know. And she began to say, let's pray. And the door of the living room opened. My son stuck his head in and said, hey, Dad, Mom, I'm so sorry I acted like a jerk just now. I've just had a really bad evening. I'm so sorry. And went back to his room. Wow, he got it. He got it. And he lives his life that way. None of us are perfect. But God can forgive if we will humble ourselves. That's the key right there. That's the key. Communication. You know the problem with communication? Is the illusion that it's been accomplished. (laughs) You got to go back and ask. Did you understand that? Am I, did you really forgive me? Do you understand what we talked about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The more communication you can have with your child, whatever age they are, the better off you are. Look for opportunities to do that. But don't make it a meeting. You know, like, come to my office. Oh, my gosh. Kids are just thinking, how come that's, just going, that's the worst thing you can do. I did that, by the way. And you're not going to get anything out of it. Do, go do something fun. You know, kids love fun. Go out for an ice cream, a coffee, whatever they like to do. Windshield time is great. Just driving a car, hey, what do you think about this? And start bringing up some things, talking to them. Be wise about this. Guys, you know how to do this. You had to woo your wife. You had to chase her down and get her to marry you. I mean, you know how to to do it, right? Do the same thing with your kids. You got to draw them in. If you love them enough, you'll do that. And uh, show them respect. Treat them, even though they're not yet, treat them as though they're becoming an adult. And uh, it will really, really pay off. It sure will. Nothing better. And your life will be tremendous. And you'll get to enjoy what I, I can tell you, the best time of your life is when you're a consultant and your kids are out of the house and they've gotten married, they start having grandkids. There's nothing, nothing better. I mean, I loved, we loved having kids and raising them. It was difficult, but we had a great time. Nothing beats where I am right now in my life. And I want you to have the same thing. Because I know so many people, they don't have that. Their kids don't want to be around them. The kids move away and stay away. And they just, you might see the grandkids once in a while. Broken homes, all the divorces we have. Man, that's difficult. It doesn't have to be that way. And it's going to become more important to you the older you get. I think I mentioned that earlier. It it really will. So do everything you can now. Get help. There's lots of resources. If we had time, you know, I could spend all day long talking about all these different things I could give you to help you with your your parenting. There's great resources out there. Pastor Dave, I know, knows a lot of them. Good books and tapes and videos you can watch. Come to the J Trench. Come to an Outback, whatever. And and begin to invest in your children. You know, Dave said he invested in his son. There's no better investment that you could possibly do than that. And you know, I want to tie this back to the scripture. One of the last verses in the Old Testament, he said, uh, the prophet Malachi said, and the 
great and terrible day of the Lord, which I personally think we're probably in. I, you know, I think he's got to be getting close to the last days. He said, he will turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. Moms, this message is for you, but you do a much better job than the dads. And so I really want the dads to hear this. You know, you're the ones that got to step up. I know when the kids are younger, mom's the nurturer, she's doing most of the care. Once I get to be a teenager, dads, you got to step up. You got to take the lead. You got to go to your wife and say, look, you've done it 90% of it up to now. I need to come in. Why is that? I don't know why God did it that way, but the Father's words are so very powerful. So very powerful. When you say it, it's different than if anybody else says it to them, whether it's good or bad. And so it's very important. That it's now, at this stage in your life, if you have teenagers, getting ready to have teenagers, that dads, you really step it up. And uh, I thought I was doing a pretty good job until I heard this teaching in its entirety. And I said, wow, I'm missing it. I was blaming my child. I got a strong-willed, terrible, rebellious child. Eh, they all got rebellion in them. You know, it, it got worked out. I was the problem. I'd never raised a son like that before. Every child's different. We need the Holy Spirit. And so it's on us. We have to model. We have to be that model. Are you that model? Are you showing the life of Christ? Or is the only religion they're getting is when they come to church? That's not enough. Religion is perceived it's something you do. Relationship is real and authentic. What your kids are looking for is authenticity. They want to know, is this real or not? Like I was with my parents, and they let me down. But God rescued me anyway. So if you want to be a good parent, first thing to do is get your relationship with God where it needs to be, where you're spending time with him every day where you're being filled with the Holy Spirit, you've got to have it. You cannot be a good parent without it. You just can't. Have a great marriage. What good is it to have all these great principles of how to raise kids if you and your spouse don't have a good marriage? That will negate everything else you're doing. So maybe before going to the J Ranch or somewhere, you might want to go to a husband-wife retreat somewhere and get your relationship stronger because the kids are watching you. They're watching you. It's a high calling. The most important thing you'll ever, ever do in this life. Let me pray for you. Father, we are desperate. We're desperate people. And if we're not, Lord, make us desperate because you've given us a very, very high calling. And we can be successful at a lot of things, but if we're not successful at home, Lord, our life's been a failure. Help us, Lord. We've all blown it in many different ways. We need your help. I pray right now in your name, Father, that you would anoint the fathers and mothers in this room with the power to be godly parents. Show them what that means, the day-to-day -day details, what that looks like, so their kids will come to know you like they do. And then the process will begin and it'll go from generation to generation to generation. 
even a thousand generations. Thank you, Lord. We know this is your will, and we know that you'll help any one of us who just merely ask. You'll come to our rescue. Thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church slash give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.